We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome in to the Field of 68s After Dark. It is a Thursday edition, otherwise known as the Big East Party. And uh, we have Steve Prohm, former Iowa State coach. We have Ashton Gibbs, former Pittsburgh guard. And we're going to talk plenty about the Big East. Uh, we're going to talk about the Big Ten. Hopefully, we're going to have Travis Steele, the Xavier head coach, come on and join us here in a few minutes. But let's get to it, guys. Let's get to the game of the night, which was clearly Big East against Big Ten, Xavier against Ohio State, a battle of proximity. And a hell of a game. I mean, a really good game. Maybe not the most well-played game. Uh, but Ohio State didn't go away, Steve. They, they found a way, as Chris Holtman always does, of kind of uh, hanging in, in there even when they're not having their, their, their best game. And they're doing it without ju- Justice Suing, who I think is probably their second most valuable player. Uh, but ultimately, it was Xavier at the Sinta Center uh, that, that hung on in a huge win for Travis Steele. Yeah, big time win for Travis and his program, uh, but, a, but a phenomenal effort by Ohio State, you know, and Chris's team. It's amazing you, when you heard tonight, it's only the fifth time that those two programs have played each other, you know, especially as close as they are in proximity. But, you know, Ohio State got hit several times, down nine, down 11, nine at halftime. You know, Michi makes the layup to cut it to three, 57-54, and then all the pressure went on Xavier, and to their credit, you know, Paul Scruggs, you know, Nunji, and those guys responded and gave Travis and his staff and his program a huge, huge non-conference win tonight. Ashton, what stood out to you the most about Xavier? And maybe, again, they didn't shoot it that well. They found a way. And obviously, home court advantage, we see now how important it is because a school like a program like Xavier did not have it last year. And tonight, I think it was a difference maker. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I thought fan basically helped Xavier. I thought overall, Paul Scruggs, he didn't he didn't play well the entire game. Uh, but when it mattered most towards the end of the game, he he made plays. And that's what it's all about. You're all Big East. You're all American type performers. They have to step up. And I thought uh, overall, that's what Paul Scruggs did. And that's what led to, you know, the win for Xavier. It was definitely the fan base. But uh, big-time players make big-time plays, and that's what he did towards the end of the game. Yeah, and he's a veteran, right? I mean, he, he's a he's one of those super seniors that um, they didn't think was going to come back for another year. Uh, he did. Uh, and, again, just fearless. That's the one thing with Paul Scruggs. Yeah. Not the best shooter, but he's absolutely fearless and tough. And when you get Zach Fremantle back, I'll tell you what, I'll put Scruggs and Fremantle up there against any – you know, one-two punch in terms of their their toughness and what they bring to the table. I saw Fremantle a couple of years ago down in Charleston when he was a freshman, and I was just blown away by him. Right away, you could tell. Like, he played on the streets in, I think, in New York. I think he played at Rucker Park, if I'm not mistaken, Ashton. And and uh, he's a guy that he looks like it. So when he gets back, the way he plays, the ferocity, uh, I think that'll help him. And, you know, you got the one-two punch. And Steve, I don't know if you could play them together, but Fremantle and Jack Nunji, two pretty good five men. Yeah, and they've got three, really, you know. Um, but I don't know if you can play them together, and I don't know if Travis wants to play them together. Obviously, I know Hunter's starting at the four right now for them. Um, but when I was up there, I went up there in, in September 
you know, and just kind of yeah. making rounds through uh, Cincinnati and Dayton. Man, that team, they practiced and they carried themselves with an unbelievable amount of confidence and swagger. And I think you saw that tonight, you know, from the TV, when you're watching on TV, every time things got tough, Scruggs huddled them up. I didn't see the team get rattled. They missed shots, but every time there was big moments in that game, that team was calm. They were composed. They were together. And, and that was a big win. And I, I, I really look for big things from the Xavier team this year in the Big East and, and into the tournament. I'm worried about Ohio State. I am. And, and, and I think <laughs> as highly of Chris Holtman as probably anybody, right? I mean, he's done an incredible job since he took over at Butler under adverse circumstances. Never really had a great point guard situation at Butler. Uh, found a way, you know, gets to Ohio State. He's done a, a terrific job there. And now I just look at their team and I see a star in EJ Liddell and some other good pieces, but I don't know. Again, the biggest thing I look at Ashton is, is point guard play. If you don't have that at a high level, I, I just feel like there's a ceiling on what you can do when you watch Ohio state. How concerned are you uh, about their point guard play? Uh, very concerned. And at, if you want to get far into the tournament, whether the NCAA tournament, you need guys that can make plays, especially at the end of the shot clock. And I think that's one of the biggest things that Ohio State, you know, they're, they're missing. You need guards that can make plays not only for themselves, but for others to get guys open, open shots, to get EJ, you know, uh, open looks around the basket as well just to make things, you know, a lot easier for guys. So it just makes everything so much tougher on a guy like EJ Liddell when it comes to late shot clock situations when you really need uh, big buckets at the end of the day. So they really need to get that situated, you know, ASAP. All right. Well, we, we do have uh, Travis Steele, Xavier head coach, uh, coming on with us on, on the field of 68s after dark after a huge, huge win. And uh, Travis, I know this was a big one for you. And uh, this is one that you, you kind of needed to get some kind of, you know, momentum. Can you hear us, Travis? Yeah, I can hear you guys. How you guys doing? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. Probably not as good as you. So, you know, two years ago, I'm down there for the Crosstown shootout with my daughter. And the atmosphere was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And how does this home court tonight compared to that and also just again from last year you didn't have this and you have one of the better home court advantages in the country how important is that for you and, and was it tonight oh it's huge you know you look at like when I pulled into work this morning at about 7 a.m there's a line of students outside of our arena you know lining up to get in and you know this is a basketball school um everybody's so passionate about it Right. And it makes CentOS one of the hardest places to play in all of college basketball. When you come off a year like COVID-19, right, where there's no fans and you can hear a pin drop, just the momentum swings are so different. Um, it just motivates our guys to get the extra little juice that you need. Um, Jeff, not that you were a player. Uh, I know Ashton was. Maybe Ashton can relate to that. But like Ashton was a heck of a player. Um, but it, it helps a lot, man. And, and then you mentioned the, the UC game um, that you were at two years ago. Man, I, I don't know if anything rivals that quite, um, but it was dang close. I can tell you that. Our student section was incredible tonight. Did, did you go buy the, uh, the students any, uh, any drinks after this one or no? No. You know what we may do, though, Jeff? I may just go get, like, you know, tomorrow morning because I, I, I got right to film right afterwards because uh, we got a quick turnaround here. You know, so I uh, I may get a little coffee tomorrow morning. It may be a late night for them, so they go to class tomorrow. Coach, uh, overall, I love, you know, I'm a guard guy. I love Paul Scruggs, uh, big-time player. I love his passion for game on both ends of the court. Talk about his improvement coming into this year. Yeah, I think his mindset, man, he, he wasn't happy how things ended last year. Right. And COVID-19, we he felt like and we felt like derailed our season last year kind of late. And because we got hit probably as heavy as any team in the entire country with it. Um, Paul's just it's just his will, man. Like he wills us to win his defensive intensity. 
uh, his toughness, the plays that he makes, he takes over down the stretch. He's got that clutch gene. Knowing that we can rely on him at the end of the games to close games out, man, is a huge, huge luxury. You know how it is. At the end of games, man, you want to have the best guard on the floor. Night in, night out, we're going to have the best guard on the floor in Paul. Travis, congrats, man. Great win, man. Loved watching that. Uh, I was telling these guys off air, you know, I got a chance to watch you guys up in September and just thought your team carried themselves with a swagger. Uh, and obviously we touched on Paul Scruggs. Jack Nungy was terrific tonight. But the guy I asked you about when I was up there and just familiar with him, following him in high school, Colby Jones. You know, everybody's got to have a Colby Jones. He gets 12 rebounds for you tonight, three assists, made a big three in the first half. He's on the ball. He's on the loose on the floor for loose balls. Can you just touch talk about his role and, and what he brings to your Xavier team? Yeah, Colby's a phenomenal player. He's a guy that just impacts winning. You think, but he, he's always going to defend one of the other team's best player. Whether tonight it was a lot of times EJ Liddell, right? EJ Liddell's a first team All American level guy, six six, six seven, two hundred and forty pounds. I mean, Colby's six six. You know, he's more of a guard, but he doesn't really care. And just his toughness level in the defensive end rebounding. I mean, he, he, he's an elite rebounder from the guard position, and he's just so smart. He's just always in the right spots, makes all the right plays. Um, he's a winner. That's what he was in high school. He was really well coached. You know, interesting fact, he actually played at Mountain Brook High School for Bucky McMillan, who's now the head coach down at Sanford. You know, so he, he came from a really good program, and he's, he's won his entire life. Bucky, Bucky's trying to win uh, right now against Oregon State. They're in a they're in a dogfight right now at Sanford. <laughs> that, that does that does not surprise me. Bucky will get that program going. I can tell you that. Plays a different style, no doubt. Yes, about he that. does. A little unique. <laughs> um, Travis, this win tonight for you guys was important, obviously, to get momentum, um, but it was also important for your league, which has really come out really strong. You know, Seton Hall getting the win against Michigan. Uh, Marquette getting the win against Illinois, Providence at Wisconsin. You know, your league has really come out strong. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, how much this means for your league to, to build that resume early in the season as a league so that there are a lot of wins, you know, good resume wins, uh, and, and they're not bad losses within the league. Yeah, it's huge. You know, obviously we went 6-2, I think, in the Gavit games. Um, against the Big Ten, uh, which is obviously Big Ten's a great league. It's a terrific league. Um, but I think the Big East is the best con- best conference in the entire country. And uh, I think that'll bear itself out over, over here over the non-conference. But like you said, it's so important that we each do our part in the non-conference so that when we get to conference, every one of those games means a lot, right, from the numbers standpoint. Uh, it's funny, you know, after every game of the Gavit games, we have this Big East chat with our coaches, Right. And it just starts buzzing nonstop. You know, you're watching all these because I had a chance to watch the, the Gavit games the last few nights leading up to tonight. And, uh, you know, we're all pulling for each other, obviously, man. The camaraderie in our league amongst the coaches is, is, is top notch. Um, but we also understand what's at stake having to do really well in the non conference. Travis, uh, obviously, great win tonight. And, but people, you know, may not know you, you, one of your best players is out right now in Fremantle. When do you, what's the kind of prognosis on him? When do you see him getting back or getting back on the practice floor and possibly getting back in the live action? Yeah, I, I think Zach will be, uh, he's really progressing well. He's, uh, he's out of the boot. He's able to do some form shooting, some ball handling, some passing. Um, he adds a different dimension to our team. I mean, he does. I mean, he, re, he was our leading rebounder, leading scorer from last year. He's a matchup problem. I mean, I, I think he'll be back full go here, I would say, at the very beginning of December. We're hoping December 1, he, he's good to roll. Uh, hey, how's, how's Cooley in the group chat, by the way? Hilarious, just like he always is. Comedian. <laughs> I figured. I figured of anybody, Cooley's got to be the best one in the group chat. <laughs> I agree with that. Talking from a coach here, how do you get your guys to respond and, and get focused now in Norfolk State with a quick turnaround? Yeah, it, it, I told the guys right afterwards, I said, hey, fellas, I'm going to go home and watch our game from tonight, and I'm going to start preparing for Norfolk State. You know, we scheduled them because they're going to be a really good team in their league. They'll have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament just like they did last year. I think it could be a really good a good opportunity for us, but it's a dangerous game, you know, and we have to be mature. We have to be mature, and we got to move on very quickly. Enjoy this one, but move on. Um, 
you know, it starts tonight though, how we recover, you know, our, you know, our, tomorrow we'll probably go light, but it's going to be a heavy prep day for Norfolk state. Um, but which will create a big challenge. Send that ball screen play where Scruggs got the dunk, man. Nungy, that was a big time screen. <laughs> that was a great screen. See, man, Scruggs is going to get all the love. Yeah. Scruggs Nungy get all love. screen, man. He, that was big time screen. Really, great really screen. good. Timed it perfect. Hey, can you play those two big boys together? We were, Steve and I were asking and we're like, it's hard these days to play those two together when Fremantle comes back. Will you try it at all? Absolutely. You will. We better figure it out. I'm going to tell you, you saw Jack Nungy obviously tonight. Jack, Jack's a phenomenal player. I mean, he had 14 and 14. But we have to figure it out, <laughs> bottom line. And I want to play man-to-man. I don't want to play zone. Uh, we're a man-to-man defensive team. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, listen, uh, congrats. Heck of a win. And I uh, hope we'll be talking to you again soon. Sounds good, guys. Thanks. Great Thanks, win, Travis. Travis. Thank you. Xavier coach Travis Steele, fresh off a huge win earlier tonight against Ohio State. And I'll tell you what, this is a big one for the Musketeers to get going, not only for themselves, but certainly for the league. Uh, big East has done a, an incredible job so far. Uh, really winning Gavit games, Seton Hall pulling out the huge win against Michigan. Uh, so again, Travis Steele, great win. Paul Scruggs closing it out. I mean, that's that's the one thing. When you got a guy like that, Steve, how how much fun is it to be able to put a guy like that, just give him the ball and just say, hey, go make a play? Yeah, he finished. And Ashton touched on it earlier, man. When your lead guard can finish and close games, and, and not only on the offensive end now. I mean, he scored. He had the dunk. He had the layup. Uh, he may have scored the last six points with layups and dunks, but he also got the huge steal and free throws, you know, on the underneath out-of-bounds action where Xavier switches everything and puts their five men on the ball. You know, they, uh, Michi Johnson inbounded it. You know, they intercepted it on the pass to Liddell. Scruggs made all those plays, but – if you want clips, if like college, high school coaches want clips of defense, watch Scruggs focus on the ball. His his will, man, they're, they're fun to watch, man. He's got a really good team. Another team that's fun to watch this year, the Florida Gators. How about that? They've kind of snuck up on people. This year, I don't think a lot of people were talking about them in the SEC. You're talking about every other SEC school, it felt like, except for Florida. Uh, and Mike White's taking a lot of criticism, but – Man, they get the win against Florida State uh, in, in week one, and now they follow it up with an absolute thrashing over a Milwaukee team that has a lottery pick in, in Patrick Baldwin Jr. You know, decided to play for his dad. Uh, they held them to uh, 13 points tonight, and they win. The Gators win 81 to 45. And this is such a different team, guys, than what we've seen the last couple of years from Mike White. It's been the last few years – people thinking he's underachieved per his talent, per his recruiting rankings with guys like Scotty Lewis. Uh, and, and this team, they just got transfers everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. It, it, Colin Castleton, Michigan, he's been their best player. Daruji came over with them from Louisiana Tech. Myron Jones, Penn State. The kid McKissick comes over from UMKC. Fleming, Charleston Southern. Appleby, I think he's a two-time transfer and C.J. Felder from my neck of the woods in Boston College. And what they are, Ashton, they're older. And, and that's what I felt like with your pit teams. You were always older. You were tougher. You weren't necessarily always the most talented teams, but you, you fought people. You got the most out of your ability, and you never backed down. And I think this Florida team has a little bit of that, a little bit of the chip in their shoulder. For sure. I think that's their identity is – being a, a veteran team, gritty team that's going to defend, similar to my pit team, I think so. Uh, Mike White has done a great job. Um, but overall, being a veteran team and staying even throughout, throughout the chaos, I think, um, you know, for the most part, being having that veteran leadership throughout anything, you know, you can kind of withstand any punch. And I think that's probably their best attribute. And uh, they did a good job in the transfer portal. I think the sky's the limit for this Florida team this year. Um, I'm really big on veteran leadership, uh, no matter who the team is, no matter what conference it is. So uh, overall, I think this team could really make a run based upon, you know, the bets that they have, the transfers that they have, 
and ultimately uh, the head coach that they have. Steve, I know you're a guy who defends coaches, and you should be, okay? But in this case, I'm I'm with you 100% here. Defend Mike White and the criticism this guy gets uh, with the resume he has, which is pretty damn impressive the last four, you know, four or five years in replacing a legend. Yeah, I mean, first off, you can go back eight years. I mean, his last three years at Louisiana Tech, he won Conference USA, you know, the regular season conference championship, went to two NIT quarterfinals. That's not easy to do. Then he, then obviously he replaces a legend in, in Billy Donovan, who won two national championships. But Mike, he has the longest active NCAA streak, I believe, of any SEC coach. If you count the COVID year, which they should have went, he's been to the NCAA tournament the last five years. He's headed there this year, and he's never lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, I, I think the world of Mike, I think he's done a phenomenal job, and I got a ton of respect for him. Yeah, I mean, he, he does it the right way. And, and I just feel like some coaches might be more suited to coaching, I don't know, I, I don't want to say prima donnas, not prima donnas. You know what I mean? But, like, like these guys fit Mike White, I think, a little bit better than some of those highly rated guys that he brought in. And, and you're seeing it with this team. I mean, listen, you know, he, he's taken a lot of criticism for his, his offense over the last couple of years. Andrew Nemhart transfers. And he's been great at Gonzaga, right? I mean, he's been arguably as good a point guard as there is in the country. But right now, it just looks like Mike White has a team that, again, has the experience, has the toughness. They're playing together. Maybe they can make some noise here in in an SEC that, again, you know, Alabama, Kentucky, Arkansas. I mean, they're they're loaded. Like Mississippi State, people think is like the seventh or eighth, eighth best team. And they're loaded with talent. They've done a great job in the, in the portal as well. Uh, what what does this team need Ashton to do for people to get off Mike White's back? I think just getting over that hump. At the end of the day, you know, getting to a Final Four is really going to do it. When you talk about a program like Florida, uh, replacing replacing a guy like Billy Donovan is a lot of pressure in itself. Um, it comes with a lot of expectations. Um, getting to a final four, I know that's a that's a big task, but I think they're they're good enough to do it, uh, especially with him um, just building a veteran team, leadership team in terms of the vets that they have coming in. I think they have a a big time defensive minded team. I think me personally, with the transfers that came in, um, those guys can really defend. So with that, you know, defense travels overall. So I think overall, just getting getting to that final four is always going to, you know, uh, it, it's just always going to settle. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> settle. Mike White's not going to win two back-to-back national titles in Florida, let's face it. There's only one guy who can do that, and that was Billy Donovan. Uh, we, we came into this show thinking we were going to talk probably about Patrick Ball in Milwaukee, and instead, listen, it, it's Florida. They blew him out, but – I do want to spend a minute or two on Baldwin because he's an interesting case. And I I threw this to you guys before the show of the last player who did not pick last elite player, like top 10 recruit who did not choose to play for his father. And the answer, you have to go way, way back. You have to go to Jason Capel, believe it or not, who chose to play for North Carolina instead of his father, who was the head, the, uh, the late Jeff Capel, who was uh, at Old Dominion at the time. Almost every player chooses dad over whoever else it is. And in this case, Baldwin, his father, beat Duke, beat Coach K. That does not happen very often. Uh, how surprised were you that, that this was the case, Steve? Or were you not surprised at all? Because, like I said, the track record is that, especially in this case, when dad needs to win games this year, Patrick Baldwin Sr., needs to win games and maybe his son's feeling a little bit of pressure too to try to do it for his dad for his dad yeah I, I wasn't really surprised obviously Patrick is phenomenally gifted um and his dad and him the number one thing it shows me is they've got an unbelievable relationship and Patrick trusting his father that's the first thing that I see and, and his mother uh because you know when you have children you only have so many moments with them 
from a standpoint of, you know, mine are really young. His son's a senior now in high school, now going into his freshman year. Now he's a freshman to where he's going to be a, first, a one and done, whether he's a lottery pick, 15, 17. And then Patrick's going to enter the real world, you know, and they're not going to be around each other. So you look at all these great examples of R.J. Hunter, Tony Bennett, Ray McCullum, you know, Alan Houston, Bryce Drew. You know, we talked about off air, you know, Doug McDermott, you know, the Tucker DeVries is now at Drake, which I think he's going to have a phenomenal career. So, you know, to me, it shows more about the relationship with father and son. And, you know, you can't base it just off tonight, though. Tonight was a tough night for Milwaukee. But if they get a March Madness moment like Bryce and his dad and Homer had or RJ and Ron, you can't take that back. You know, my only issue with it, here's my only issue when it happened. He committed, Ashton, all the way in the May. Way. It was like May 20th. And my take on that is you probably knew you were going to commit to your dad earlier. Or maybe it didn't, but my guess is you had a pretty good idea. If you had committed back in January or February, you could have gotten some dudes around. You know, T. John Lucas was the point guard on that team. And he transferred. Before, I believe, yeah, it definitely was before. He's at BYU. BYU just beat Oregon. They beat San Diego State already. They're a really good team. So I guess what I'm saying is like, it's like Patrick Baldwin Jr. by himself on an island out there right now, where the only issue I had with it was like, why not do it a little bit earlier if you're going to do it? Because then your dad, people would have wanted to play with you. I mean, he's going to be a, a top 10 pick. He, he's got, I'm not going to compare him to Michael Porter. He's not the same quite level, but he, he's got that body, that skill set, can really rise up and shoot it at his size, 6'9". I mean, he, he's he's going to be a lottery pick. So that was my my big question, why he didn't do it earlier. But, you know, the one thing, Ashton, is, listen, the NBA guys are going to find you wherever you are. Yeah, they, they're going to find you wherever you are. I think, I think one of the reasons, too, is – a lot of these kids, I think, in this generation, too, just want to go through the recruiting process and they want to feel wanted. Uh, and it's just those things where maybe it's a social media thing, maybe it's a generational thing. But overall, you want to kind of go on your visits. You want to feel feel the love and then, you know, make your decision from there. So um, I could just speak off of experience, you know, just when I was getting recruited, even though I knew where I was going for the most part, I still just wanted to take a couple more visits. And where did you go? All right, where where were those places that you went that you were going for the weather or the girls or, or whatever? So I ended up going, I, I took a visit to UVA. I took a visit to Georgetown. Um, I went to, and then some local schools, the St. John's, the Seton Halls, the Rutgers, um, just just feeling those games out, just sitting behind the bench, uh, being able to go into the locker room, you know, as a, as a high school kid, it's, it's a great feeling. So, so I don't blame them. I don't blame them in a way. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I, I don't either. Like I said, I'm just thinking from a, a perspective of really trying to help out your dad. If, yeah. if you really wanted to help him, you would have done it two, three months earlier, Steve, and giving yourself a chance to get some other transfers out of the portal um, come right. April you're missing, you're missing a good six weeks there from April to May 20th that you could have gotten the portal and gotten some dudes to play with you. That that's my only take on that. Yeah. And I don't know their scholarship situation, you know, but at the end of the day, I think the, it just came, comes down to, you know, for, for a team in a horizon league, you know, whether you're 18 and 12 or, 17 and, and, and 11, whatever it may be, you know, I know you play 30, 31 games. If him and his father can be great for three days in March, <laughs> that'll be a memory they'll, they'll have forever. That's and very true. You call Ron Hunter and you call Homer Drew. Yeah. Both those guys got drafted. It, it'd be interesting to see what night they enjoyed more. And obviously I, I know the NBA is everybody's dream. These guys dreams, but you know, I, I think there's a lot more to where, Hey, also, Patrick can have the mentality as good as he is, is when's the last time Milwaukee been to the NCAA tournament? You know, has it been back since Bruce Pearl? I, I don't have it in front of me, you know, since their Sweet 16 team. Uh, you know, they lost to Alabama. they lost to Florida. I think they lost to Florida back 
the year Florida, either in 06 or 07. So maybe Rob won it. You know, Rob may have taken him. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it's been a while. And so, you know, he could put Milwaukee back on the map and leave his mark and 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 change that program's identity. All right. So it's, it's perfect that we have Ashton on tonight because it, it should be the Big East Love Fest. And that's what we're going to make it now. You know, for at least the next few minutes, we're going to flip it back to the Big East. It's not the old Big East, Ashton. Like, I miss – I still miss the Big East you played in. Um, because this one's a little bit different, you know, it just doesn't have quite the same feel, but tonight, listen, big win for, for Xavier and a huge win for the DePaul blue demons. And, uh, it's not often you say that, but to beat a Rutgers team that came in there, that came in with some veterans that have won a lot of games and to win the way they did, right. I mean, they gutted it out. You know, Rutgers took the lead several times down the stretch. And DePaul kept coming back, and it was really fun at the end. I mean, they were just trading daggers back and forth. But um, this Big East now has has made itself into a league that I think could get six teams in because of what they've done so far in the non-conference. Oh, for sure. I think the biggest take I actually got from the DePaul-Ruckers game was actually the atmosphere. I just remember – just going to the Paul game, you know, within the last few years, you really didn't see too many people even at the game. So that's just a big tip in itself is, you know, just getting fans, getting that city um, excited to see basketball overall. So, but overall for the Big East, that's a huge win. Um, I think the Xavier win, uh, I love the Seton Hall win uh, over Michigan as well. So you talk about getting six maybe seven, you never know teams into the, into the NCAA tournament, um, depending on, you know, how the rest of the way shakes out. But I, I think from top to bottom, the big East is going to be really good. It's obviously not what it was. I might be a little biased, but no, you're right. I think just getting that at just the atmosphere of the, the big East, especially in the non-conference, you look at a, at a DePaul, uh, that type of atmosphere against a Rutgers, against a Rutgers basketball team. Who would have thought that to have that atmosphere on conference? That's really what I got from it. Yeah, and congrats, Tony Stubblefield. You know, rookie head coach that a lot of people listen. When Dwayne Peavy, the AD at DePaul, was going through the process, kind of the first time around, Stubblefield wasn't really on the radar. You know, it was Kenny Payne, and he turned it down you know, making a million dollars a year, whatever he's making right now with the Knicks as an assistant coach. And then PB had to start over and he goes with Stubblefield. And it was a, honestly, it was kind of a head scratcher to a lot of people, myself included, but uh, Stubbs did a great job tonight, honestly getting a win over again, a Rutgers team, not only with some veteran talent, but also a really good coach in Steve Peichel. Yeah, that's a big win. Big win for Tony. You know, really big congratulations to him. Steve Peichel's done a phenomenal job at Rutgers, really just rebranding that program. And so huge win for DePaul, huge win for Tony. You know, you look at the Big East, you know, six quality wins and a great thing tonight for them. Marquette followed it up by beating Ole Miss. Yes. And so that that was huge. Uh, and, uh, you know, Villanova, they played phenomenal out at UCLA. So you look at their high major games, six and three. One of those losses being at UCLA and, uh, and only one bad loss so far for the league. And, and you say bad loss now with Dartmouth beating Georgetown, but, you know, we don't know how the league will shake out in, in, in the Ivy League. Dartmouth may end up having a great year. And so no, we know, we know, <laughs> we know, we know Dartmouth is not going to finish, you know, in the top two or three in the Ivy. All right. I, yeah. I, listen, I know, I know you got to take care of your coaches at times, but I don't I'll, know the Dartmouth coach. I'll help. I'll help you stay, keep you in line with some of these things. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, but you're right listen and there's going to be there's always going to be a couple doormats in in every league but now to be honest if DePaul's not one of those right if DePaul gets a few of those then it's not a bad loss at least at least if DePaul can be a postseason team they don't have to be an NCAA tournament team this year nobody's thinking they're going to be but be be a team that at least isn't going to be viewed as a bad loss if you lose at DePaul that's a big difference perception-wise for the committee at the end of the year. Yeah, my question to you guys would be, you know, you said six teams, you know, and then Ash was saying six or seven. Yeah. What five are you leaving out? You know what oh. I mean? What five aren't going to get a bid to the tournament when you look at, 
I mean, they're, we've seen some really good basketball teams, you know, in the Big I, East. I would say, listen, Georgetown to me, no chance. Zero. Okay. Zero. Um, I think you're right. I mean, DePaul going to be very tough. Very tough. I, you know, they could be an NIT team, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, Creighton's still very, very young. Yeah, Super question. young. Like, they could come, and McDermott's such a good coach that who knows? I'm not, I'm not counting them out. Providence, another one. I know they beat Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's down this year. So you got to put that one in perspective. I still want to see more out of, out of Providence, who's got a great big man in Nate Watson. But, but again, you've got, you know, Villanova, UConn, Xavier, St. John's, I think is going to be a tournament team. Marquette has put itself in a great position so far. So, yeah, I think you've got five or six that have put themselves in good, good position. And then who knows? Yeah, maybe you could sneak in a seven. I would say five or six is probably the number you're looking at and maybe six being the, the magic number for the big East. Um, and, and that would be a hell of a year. That'd be a hell of a year. Ashton. I mean, they're not getting, you know, 10 in like, like you got back in the day when you played. No, I actually agree with you in terms of Georgetown, DePaul, probably, probably not Creighton and Providence right Butler, there. We don't know Butler. We'll see. Butler's right there. Um, Solidified Villanova's, the Yons, um, even St. John. I'm really high on St. John's as well. I think St. John's is going to be really good. What do you like about – so I'm watching them last night against Indiana. I love Champagny. I absolutely uh -huh. love him. He is just so smooth. He's the perfect, like, versatile forward that everybody likes these days in the league. I love it in college, too. He can do everything. He can do everything. I love Posh. Posh Alexander's yeah. tough. Yeah. I just think just the guards that they have, the toughness that they bring, the pace that they play with, um, the decision-making even on offense. Um, I'm a big guard guy. So, you know, you have big-time guards that can make really good decisions. I think that could carry you a long way, yeah. especially going into conference play. Um that that just carries you a lot towards you know the end of end of the road. Those uh, and then having a guy like Champagne can close out games and really make big shots. I think changes a lot for them. All right, so Big East, a league that that is getting a ton of credit so far and deservedly so. Steve, give me another league that's kind of gotten off to a really good start and it's going to pay dividends for them when when the conference season starts and certainly you know, when NCAA tournament committee, uh, selection committee, you know, meets and starts going through all the resumes. Yeah, just, you know, we, we talked about a little bit of the West Coast Conference. You know, BYU's got two really good wins so far. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga, we know they're going to be a, probably a number one, two seed at worst, probably, you know, from that standpoint. But uh, Santa Clara's had good wins, you know, in that league. You know, uh, Nevada, uh, Stanford. You know, from that standpoint, now that's not a power five league. When you look kind of around the power five, some of these other leagues, you know, it's still early. Some of these MTEs are just getting started. So the Big 12, you know, Kansas has the big win against Michigan State. You know, Florida has a big win against uh, Florida State. Uh, but I tell you who has some sneaky good wins is the American League. You know, when you look at, you know, Cincinnati beating Georgia, Houston beating Virginia, Central Florida over Miami. Tulsa, you know, beat Oregon State. Uh, and then Memphis just beat St. Louis, which St. Travis does a terrific job up there. Yeah, no, you're right. That's not one that I've really paid attention that much to, but you're right. The AAC's done a pretty good job uh, so far. All right, Ashley, you get to be the bad guy. Uh, who, what league, what league is just struggling and put themselves, dug themselves a little bit of a hole here where they better, they better do well in these exempts and these MTEs because if they don't, then you're looking at really struggling in terms of getting, you know, as many teams as, as you're used to getting in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm not too high on the Big Ten right now, honestly. Uh, when you talk about, you know, the Seton Hall loss, the, the Michigan loss, I should say, to Seton Hall. Um, today, Ohio State, I actually thought they were going to beat Xavier. Um, those are two of the top teams. I, I just thought, you know, I'm just big – I'm just big on the Big Ten typically. This year, I'm just within the first couple of weeks. It's not. It's not looking good. 
the good thing is in conference play, those guys are beat up on each other. And, you know, you, you just never know in terms of, of uh, what team peaks at a specific time. So it's obviously early, but uh, I, I would say the Big Ten so far. Yeah, I'll, I'll add in, and I hate to do it, as an Arizona alum, uh, I will go the Pac-12 here is kind of reverting back to what we thought it was a year ago until the NCAA tournament when it kind of came out of nowhere and shocked everybody. Um, but, you know, you look at it and as Steve mentioned, you know, Oregon gets blasted. They're not even competitive with BYU and, and Dane Altman's team. He always has a bunch of transfers. They'll be fine. We know yeah. Dane Altman can coach. They'll be a tournament team. I'm not worried about them, but it's the bottom half of the league that I'm worried about. You know, Washington loses at home to Northern Illinois, Arizona State, which normally Bobby Hurley gets off to a great start. Like his record in November is it's insane. It's like 30 and four or something like that. Uh, They lose to UC Riverside at home. Um, Cal loses a couple. And I think they lost tonight as well. Uh, Stanford, as you mentioned, Santa Clara, Oregon State to Iowa State uh, and Tulsa. So. I think the Pac-12 really doesn't have a resume win other than UCLA over Villanova. And we know UCLA is going to be really good. Arizona hasn't really played anybody yet. I think they'll be fine. But you really need UCLA, Arizona have to kind of carry the torch. We've said this for years for the league. And Oregon has kind of joined the fray. Those three are, are kind of the trio that needs to be really good and then maybe pull along a couple others that beat them in Pac-12 play and get those resume wins. And it's going to put some pressure now in Oregon and and Arizona because a lot of these other teams really uh, haven't done their part so far. And again, Steve, it's early. I get it's early. We're only 10 games into the 10 days into the season or so, but am I overreacting or not? I think a little bit, you could go either way, to be honest. It is early. You know, it is early, but because and, and Ashton knows this, once you get into league play, I mean, UCLA may beat Gonzaga too next week. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a ball game. But when they get into league play, and I, I don't, I'm not sure if the Pac-12, they may start a couple games in December now. Yeah. But when they get into full force league play and they're playing Arizona State twice and Arizona twice, they're going to get beat some, you know, Oregon twice. And, and Mick Cronin is one of the best coaches in the country. And he's doing a terrific job out there at UCLA. When you get in the mixture of your league, they're all good. You know, we all argue Big 12, and I think the Big 12 the last couple of years have been the best league in the country. They're all good. You know, they're all good. The thing that makes the Big 12 so good is you only have 10 teams. Right. You play everybody twice, you know, and you got a chance to get so many quality wins. Yeah. yeah. So, Ashton, MTEs are all starting up, the exempts now. Uh, I'm going to go to Mohegan Sun this weekend, which I think is the best one. It's only a four-teamer, but you got, you know, Purdue, Villanova, Tennessee, Carolina. I mean, it's four top 20 teams. Uh, It's going to be fun, besides the fact that I'm bringing my daughter as a member of the media, so that'll be fun for me personally. Um, But what's it like playing, whether it's back-to-back games, like they're going to play in in a four-teamer or – even more like an eight team tournament where you're playing to have an off day on Saturday and then play again on Sunday. It's tough. It's so just because of the recovery, uh, just really resting and, and make sure you take care of your body one game after another. Um, the toughest part I think is the scouting um, just scout, especially specific teams that run specific sets that, you know, it's just hard to really scout. It takes a little while for specific reads coming off. You just got to have defensive principles depending on who you're playing against. So that was really the toughest part for us um, at Pitt, um, a defensive-minded team. We had specific defensive principles in specific situations. Um, but like anything else, that's what we came to college for is to play basketball. So but in terms of winning and winning at a high level and winning consistently, those games, uh, scouting, I think is the toughest part. Knowing your personnel game by game is usually the toughest part uh, in those situations. Hey, Steve, did you have to dumb things down for George Niang? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> He's probably one of the most brilliant. You, you know this. Oh, come I mean, on. I know you just come on. Told. We don't need to blow George Niang's head up here yeah, at all. I, 
he uh, you don't need to dumb it down for him. He's he's brilliant. Um, you know, we just played in two games. So we just played. We actually my, my one year with him, we played Virginia Tech. We beat them, and then the next night we played Illinois. We beat them. Um, but those guys could pick up things. You know, so oh, you had so a great quick. group. Yeah, you know, their their basketball IQ and was off the charts. Him and Monte Moore, I could go on. Those guys were brilliant. But I do think, like Ashton touched on. The scouting, you know, everybody, when you dive in for three games in three days or three games in four days, you know, Marquette right now, they're going to finish this. They're watching West Virginia win. And then the Marquette staff, the guys are going to bed or they may watch a couple minutes of film a little bit, go over personnel. And then Shaka and his staff are going to be sitting in that room. And, and fortunately, and for that game, they both know each other really well from their years against each other in the Big 12. But that is that is a big, big thing. And I think, like Ashton said, you got to stick to your principles and your core and what you're about. The problem in the one day preps is when you play a Texas Tech with Beard or Adams and they play, you know, no middle or you're going against the Syracuse's zone or beelines one, three, one. And you've got to put you've got to get it in, you know, quick your preparation. And so but uh, but it's great. You know, it's, it's great for the mid-majors because it's your opportunity to steal some great wins. And then for the high majors, you know, it's huge because you don't want to end up on the wrong side of the bracket. Right, right. You know, you win that first game. Yeah, you don't want to end up on the right side of the bracket and get two non-quad one or quad two wins because that tournament was a waste of time. And so that first game is huge. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right. I mean, you're going at it two totally different, you know, for me – I'm just looking for the best games, right? I just want to see the best games. And, and, and a lot of times, and I don't know how you guys feel about this too. I think I know. I mean, I just got back from Madison Square Garden where the, the atmosphere was great. UCLA, Villanova, UCLA, and then Texas, Gonzaga. Okay. And now I'm going to go to Mohegan Sun. Now it's sold out on Saturday. It is because you got four, you got Carolina there and Villanova there. Villanova will travel. Carolina will travel too. And then Purdue does a good job and Tennessee, I don't know. But I just feel like these, these home court advantage, these home court games are so much better than going to Myrtle. I was at Myrtle Beach two years ago and I saw Villanova, Baylor. And that was when I fell in love with Baylor for the first time. And I remember telling Scott Drew after that game, I think you have something special here. And it was the COVID year. So they didn't get to finish it out, but nobody was there. It was dead. In Charleston, it's dead for the most part. I don't know. I mean, do you guys feel that, Ashton? I mean, do you feel it down there when you're at, at one of those, you know, neutral site deals, even if you're playing a good team, or does it not matter to you? Uh, to me, personally, it didn't really matter. I was just so locked in on what we had to do and my task on what I had to do. But for a lot of guys, it does. Just bringing that atmosphere, especially – at Pitt with the Oakland Zoo, that's what we were just used to, game in and game out. So, so we kind of got a little spoiled when we went to a neutral court game <laughs> and didn't have you know, as many fans just because our, our home base was so crazy, man. So um, me personally, no. Yeah. But for a lot of guys, I can definitely see it um, affecting guys for sure. Just to just getting them up, motivating them. And that's what the game is about, ups and downs in general and uh, bring the crowd in. We talked about Xavier earlier, and that's one thing, Paul Scruggs, that's what he did. I think he he gave that crowd energy, and it ultimately led them to a win. So it makes a difference for some guys, for sure. How, how big of an advantage is this, Steve? Like, like if you had to put a point number on your advantage, like Kansas – the Kansas home court advantage, what is that worth to them, do you think, from a number standpoint? Um, I, <laughs> some coaches may say even higher. I would say 10 probably in Allen Fieldhouse. 10 points. Uh, 7 to 10 yeah. points in Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, it is – It is. that is – now Hilton, you know, I was fortunate to coach in Hilton. Hilton is special now too. And that's why the home environments are great. I mean, there's nothing like – I mean, my first year there – I mean, we got Kansas there, Big Monday, Brent Musburger. I mean, it's places off the charts. I mean, it's, you know, going to Allen Fieldhouse. Um, you know, those places are phenomenal. I think you're right about that. The, 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 the home crowds, the home games, the home and home series, 
those are where it's at. Obviously, we understand the MTEs and and they've really just blown up and expanded over these last several years. They've watered down. They've yep. watered and, it down. There's too many of them now. That's my yep. problem. When they're only like Maui was loaded, you had eight great teams. Yep. Now you look at Maui, it's just okay this year. You've got so many of them. That's yep. my biggest problem with them now. And then some have turned in from high major to, you know, my, my first year at Murray State, we went to the Alaska shootout, the great Alaska shootout to where, you know, I, we go up there and we won it in 2012 and, and our banners up there with North Carolina, yeah. Duke, Kansas, you know, but it was a, you know, we beat Southern Miss in the championship game and they went to the NCAA tournament that year. You know, it was more stayed, of a mid-major, but it was a, you know, mid-major, mid-major plus tournament. And, and now a lot of those tournaments out West, you know, the, you know, rainbow classic in Hawaii, and, oh, God. you know, they're all gone. And so. Cause they uh, can't pay. Because they yeah. won't pay, Steve. That's yeah. part of it. And people also, people don't want to go East Coast teams. You want to go West Coast and West you know? Coast, you know, that's, but there, there's, there's nothing better than, I mean, he talked about the Oakland Zoo. I played at Pitt, you know, uh, when Ben Howell was there, they were number two in the country. That, that place is, is fun. You know, I could only imagine going, you know, to, you know, whether it's Syracuse, I've never been up there in some of those big East schools, oh, but so good. You know, Xavier, I mean, tonight, that was unbelievable, man. And that's there's what it's no, all about. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot different to where it's 57, 54 and a neutral floor yeah. than when it's 57, 54 and all 17,000 are screaming for you. Yeah, that's how I felt. I, I just felt like it was back at the garden. When I went to the garden last Tuesday, it was great. Don't get me wrong. It was great. But you just had a lot of like New York basketball fans, you know, interspersed. But when I went to UCLA and it was jammed at UCLA, just a completely different feel. No disrespect to the Garden. It's the best arena probably in the world. But, but ultimately, you want those students there. You know, at Gonzaga, that student section is just there's something about it that gives you kind of chills as you're walking in. Um, one league we, we, we have not mentioned in the, the bad category or the struggling category is the ACC, and I want to know how how worried you guys are. I'm going to read you off some of these losses. It is not pretty. Virginia loses to to Navy, gets blown out at at Houston. Louisville loses to Furman at home without Chris Mack. Georgia Tech, Miami of Ohio. Pitt is a train wreck. Uh, Citadel um, and and West Virginia, no shame in that one. Miami to UCF. I'm sorry, Ashton, but I had to go there. I can't be too kind. Uh, BC to URI, NC State. To Oklahoma State on a neutral, no shame in that one. And and Florida State loses to Florida. And again, some that are obviously better than others, but this is a league that really Tony Bennett told me earlier this year. He said before the season started, he said, Listen, I'll admit it, our league wasn't very good last year. It really wasn't. It was down, but we're going to be much better this year. Now he didn't know about himself because Tony's always that guy who, who's always saying, you know, we're overrated, we're overrated. And this year I kind of believed him for the first time. But ultimately, there's a lot of teams I just mentioned that have struggled out of the gates, Steve. Are, are you worried about this league and only getting a handful of teams in? You know, I think at the end of the day, they've got, you know, that league has about 15 teams. So when, when you settle in, they're still going to get probably – you know, that six to eight category, you know, you're going to guess or six, seven, just, you know, with the, with 15 teams, you know, just kind of punching the numbers today, you know, obviously Duke has the win over Kentucky and, and this may sound, you know, crazy to a lot of people, but their second best win right now, maybe NC state over Colgate, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, when you really look at wins, you know what I mean? Now Colgate is really good. Now they're, they're probably going to win their league and they'll, they'll have a chance to upset somebody in the first round, but I think at, at the end of the day, once you when you got the ACC Big Ten Challenge, you know, we could all be talking about something different here in two, three weeks yeah. if they play well. You know, if Carolina goes up there to Mohegan Sun and they get two wins in that field, right now now everybody's, yeah. you know. But, it it you can know, change quickly. The, yeah, the whole can, narrative can change so quick. But, yeah. but, again, you've got another, let's face it, usually from the middle to the end of December, most teams aren't really playing it right? It's, it's finals time. Yeah. You're usually, no that's when you're going, you're going with your buy games or you're yeah. taking a break. Yeah. So really 
we're talking right now, we're at November 18th. You're probably talking November 18th till about December 7th. Yeah. Steve. Yeah, they gotta make they've gotta make hay in that ACT Big Ten challenge. Right. I mean, when I was looking at these games coming up, you know, that's that's when you know Ohio State and you know Duke goes to Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I don't know them all off the top of my head. Illinois has yeah. got Notre Dame and, and so forth, but yeah, they're all know, big games. They're all big games, and they they've got to produce well in there. Uh, but like Ashton touched on earlier, you go into those high major leagues. The great thing about being in there is you're gonna beat up on each other. They're all quality wins. And at the end of the day, because you're beating up on each other, you're going to keep climbing up the rankings in the NET. All right. Let's uh, I, let, go ahead, Ashton. Go ahead. No, I think also just being in, you know, early season, I think the I think sometimes I think, well, this is one of the years, I would say, because of so many transfers where guys are just trying to fit into roles. Yeah. So early on into you know, the non-conference season, even at the high major level, um, guys are just trying to find themselves where they, where they fit in. And ultimately it doesn't equal wins initially, but I think towards the middle of the season, as guys, you know, start to find their roles and, you know, teams create an identity, um, they'll start to play well and just start to go out and get after each other. Yeah. And again, in the ACC, you're going to have plenty of opportunities, right? In the yeah. big 12 and the big 10, you're going to have enough opportunities. The leagues when you 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 worry about are like, you know, the A10. Like if you get off to a rough start, yeah. who in the A10 right now is a resume win? That 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 league has already kind of established itself for the most part as a one or two bid league, and and it's hard to dig out of that. Pac-12. I mean, I don't know how the Pac-12 right now, if it continues the way it is, I don't know how it becomes more than a four bid league. So those are the ones you worry about. Yeah, I think the A-10, man, they, they've got it. When you really look at them, they've, they've had quite a few upsets in that league. Now, they've had a couple good wins. You know, I mean, you know, VCU beating an SEC team in Vanderbilt. George you know, you Mason. touched on, you know, Rhode Island, George Mason, you know, beating one in at Maryland. St. Bonaventure, that was a big win against Boise, and they got a great opportunity uh, with Clemson and then Marquette or uh, West Virginia. That, that's going to be big for St. Bonnie, you know, in that league. All right, let's close this out tonight with uh, we got a couple minutes left. What we are looking forward to the most uh, for tomorrow night's slate. Pretty good slate, actually. Like there's some tricky, really good mid-major matchups. Um, Vegas starts out. Our boy Robbie Hummel, I think, is has got the Arizona Wichita State um, and, and then Michigan uh, UNLV games out there in Vegas. That starts out tomorrow. Um, what do you what do you like, Ashton? What what do you got your uh, so I actually like the Clemson and St. Bonaventure game. I think that's going to be a big-time game. Just St. Bonaventure, Kyle Lofton, Olsen, Osuni, uh, Mark Schmidt, big-time coach. Uh, I think that's going to be a really good game. And Clemson, really tough, good guards. Nick Honor, I think, is really good. Uh, I, I just – overall, I think it's a, it's a good win. It, it'll be a good opportunity for the A-10. Really good opportunity for St. Bonaventure to really get a – a quality win, another quality win. Um, and I think they can do it. Uh, veterans, uh, leadership, they have an identity. They got, those guys know their roles. I think they're going to go into that game really confident. And uh, I, I look for them to win that game, honestly. Steve, what do you, what do you got? What, give me a couple things that you're looking forward to here. I know you got yeah, your I, major games here. Yeah, you know, Ashton touched on that. St. Bonnie-Clemson game is going to be a heck of a game. You know, both two terrific coaches. But – you know, obviously, uh, I'll touch on that Marquette, West Virginia, a little hug and shock, a rematch to touch on that quickly. But I think it's a great opportunity for a couple of mid-majors tomorrow. Uh, Ohio, who I think has got a chance to be, you know, either one or two in the MAC, going to Kentucky, which obviously they've got – they're going to have their hands full, but they're good. And so that's going to be a terrific game. And then Alabama, I think they've scheduled really well. I mean, they've played a lot of the elite mid-majors so far – Beat a really good South Dakota State team the other night. Uh, Louisiana Tech, they've beaten already. Uh, South Alabama. But they're playing Oakland, who's already – they drilled Toledo the other night. They won at Oklahoma State. They got Jamal Kane, who, you know, Greg Campy, you know, thinks he's a pro, yeah. you know, when you listen to this show. And, uh, and the point guard's terrific more. So that'll be an interesting game. You know, I think Nate's done a phenomenal job. You know, I'm an Alabama guy. 
So he's done a phenomenal job down there. And I really, really, really respect Nate with the job he's done. And the other one is Liberty and Iona. You know, Richie versus Rick. You know, um, that's going to be a terrific game. I'm not sure if that's at Iona or that's a tournament game, but that's a terrific, terrific mid-major game with two really good teams. You, you know where I'm going to be tomorrow night, guys? I'm bringing my uh, – <laughs> you're not going to believe this. I'm going to, to Merrimack College. It's about 25 minutes from my house. They play Lehigh at seven. Now, there's a couple things going on here. All right. So, number one, they're, they're putting the court over the hockey rink tomorrow night. They, they, they've, they've decked it out. They're doing it for two games this year. And uh, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go watch that. Lehigh is also my wife's alma mater. So, we're at Merrimack. Wife's going to be cheering for Lehigh. This could get a little ugly. Daughter's going to be there probably mediating it. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. But um, so I'm going to go to that and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to watch my my alma mater, uh, Arizona against Wichita State. Isaac Brown's done a great job. 10 o'clock game Eastern uh, on ESPNU with Robbie Hummel uh, doing the, the, the color. And uh, Arizona's a team that's very, very interesting. And Tommy Lloyd's first year this year, Sean Miller left them plenty of talent. And it'll be interesting to see how well they do. Is that a home and home or is that a tournament game? Tournament in tournament Vegas. In Vegas. That's in Vegas. Four team deal with uh, the final could be Arizona, Michigan. Michigan plays UNLV and Kevin Kruger first year. I think it'll be Michigan versus Arizona, Wichita State, but uh, we'll see. I mean, Michigan, you know, tough one the other night. We'll see how they respond uh, coming back from it. All right. Well, listen, All right, well, thanks for everybody for joining us tonight. Field of 68 after dark. Thanks to Steve Prohm, Ashton Gibbs. And make sure you stay with us every single night, 11 o'clock most nights, Eastern. Tomorrow night, three young stars, John Fanna, Sean Paul, Kevin Sweeney. So make sure you stick around tomorrow night, 11 o'clock.